together. And um, in just a bit, you can already open your Bibles there, but we're going to read from the book of James, chapter 2, verses 14 to 24. James, chapter 2, verses 14 to 24. It's in the New Testament, and we've been going through it in the month of January, seeking God's wisdom as we start a new year. And yeah, I want to ask everyone to be in prayer for what we discussed earlier, um, just for this new, this new uh, facility. Um, we're asking God to guide us in that. Um, at this point, the earliest that we would move to that facility would be in February. Um, and um, as soon as we have a date for that, we're going to let everyone know right when that would be. But it would potentially be um, in uh, as soon as everything would be finalized in the month of February at some point. If that's the direction that the Lord would have us in, we're grateful to have a space to be in worship today, though. Amen. And uh, we're asking God's guidance continuously for that. Join us. We need all hands on prayer, um, all, all hands on deck with prayer for this very special request. Um, and uh, we've really just been um, looking at this theme really together in the month of, of, uh, of January and in 2024 where we remember that Jesus meets us where we're at and he takes us where we need to be. So for that reason, we choose to always believe because God's not done. So as we prepare our hearts for our time in worship, our time in the word of God, let's go ahead and pray and enter into his presence. Let's pray together. God, we want to thank you because you are good. Te damos gracias, Señor, porque tú eres bueno. We just want to acknowledge, Lord, right now that you are the one who um, always makes a way. You are the one who um, is with us, who will never, ever leave us or forsake us. You are the one who will never, ever betray us, God. So, Lord God, would we be able to stand just in that confidence that we will not be shaken, we will not be moved, because the Lord our God is with us. You go before us to guide us, behind us to protect us, alongside us to accompany us, to remind us that we are never, ever alone. So God, would you just speak to us by your Holy Spirit today? That's our prayer in 2024. Give us wisdom, God, because we choose to believe you and say yes to you, and you will never fail. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So one of the beautiful things about our journey with God is that no matter where we are on our journey, God always meets us where we're at and he takes us where we need to be. And in this season, God is taking us from this season to a new season. He's taking us from one level to a whole new level. And so that's why together as a church, individually, but then together as a family, our theme for 2024, and we've been saying it over and over again throughout this entire month, but our theme for 2024 is to remind each other to always believe, to always believe because God is not done. God's not done with you or me or us. You know, we can hold on to this confidence that he will move us forward. He will make a way wherever it is that you may feel stuck in your life. Always believe God's not done. He's working on it. He's working on you. He's doing something new. And together he's going to move us forward. 
And so we're going to reflect today on this beautiful passage. Um, sometimes uh, um, the, what I love about the book of James is how comforting and convicting the words are in the book of James. But we're going to open it up together in James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. And I'll go ahead and read it for us in English. Um, if your uh, preferred um, language is Spanish, you can follow along in that or anyone online as well. Um, James chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. This is about faith and deeds, and there it is right on the screen for us. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, just go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, And it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not just by faith alone. You know, I love um, just uh, going through some of these passages that can sometimes be so comforting, but also convicting to us. And that's really what we see in the book of James as we started last week, it really holds a mirror up to us and takes us to points that sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable. But that discomfort can lead us to something deeper, to something new. You know, I I love just learning stories and I love hearing just the, the background on things. And this passage has not been easy for many people, including many Christians um, throughout history. And um, one of those uh, Christians was actually one of the main leaders of actually the form or the expression of faith that we have and that many churches even today on earth still have. And um, some of you have heard of Martin Luther before. You know, um, it, this style of worship that we have is actually um, uh, ha- is a particular style with a particular history. Um, here, gathering for Sundays um, for worship, preaching at the center of it all, then having time of prayer and closing. That's a specific style of Christian worship, and it's called Protestant Christianity. It's, a, it's one of the branches of Christianity. And what Protestant means is, you know, um, is uh, really uh, seeking to live by the authority of Scripture, to be uh, gospel-centered as well, and um, different than the Catholic tradition um, or other traditions, but that's the beautiful thing about 
um, God's people and about God's family. It's one big house with many different rooms, one big tree with many different branches. But anyway, um, Protestant Christianity has a long history of about 500 years and traces back to many communities and events. But there's that one specific figure who was he actually originally a monk in Germany, and then he broke away from the tradition that he knew of um, at the time, and he protested in what, was, in what were the 95 theses or the challenges at the time to the Catholic Church at the time. And um, some of you learned about that in history class. But the biggest challenge um, that Martin Luther had with, uh, with the way things were going in the systems and religious traditions at the time was that he uh, truly proclaimed that. And we do believe this as well, that we are saved by God's grace and faith alone, not, not solely by works. But then there's this tension here where James is saying um, in the same passage, right? They're aligned, they're not contradicting, but they're approaching the same thing in different ways. In James 2.17, um, we see here in the scripture, in the same way, faith, faith, in the same way though, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, it's dead. Now, again, it's a difficult passage because it holds up a mirror to us. It holds up a mirror to some of our assumptions, to some of our vulnerabilities as well. And some of us, to be honest, would just like to avoid it altogether. And in fact, Martin Luther, who again was that leader of that early uh, Protestant Christianity movement, he actually had a lot of challenges and wanted to ignore this part of the Bible. That great historical church leader was someone who actually didn't want to look to the book of James and the Bible altogether. This section of James was actually very disruptive to Martin Luther's view, to what he was trying to do, to the good that he thought was going to come through this movement. And it probably made him really nervous because James was really throwing a disruption. He was throwing a wrench in the system and the understanding that Martin Luther was developing on this new thing, on this well-oiled machine. And then we see how God actually used this book of wisdom. Um, and, and he actually um, uh, was able to shape um, Martin Luther through this book of wisdom. You know, of course, Martin Luther, at first, he had these criticisms of this book in the Bible, but later in life, he actually repented of it. And this is a quote from him. He said, I think highly of the book of James, although I rejected it in my earlier days. But what do we see here? This early figure, early leader who really thought he had the answers, Martin Luther was admitting that he was wrong, that he learned something new. Luther is actually one of the most brilliant minds of the last 500 years, of the last 1,000 years, and he was still teachable. He could learn something. In fact, they did this list not too long ago of the most influential people of the last 1,000 years, and Martin Luther was in the top three. And in fact, tomorrow, right, um, uh, our country is going to remember the contributions of uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and uh, remember all, you know, that movement and, and uh, the need for continued uh, reconciliation and how important it is in the history of, of this country. But Martin Luther King actually admired the original Martin Luther so much that he actually uh, um, named himself after him. 
So as a minister of, of reconciliation, we see that Luther, at the time, he thought he knew everything in his younger days. We've all been in those seasons when we're younger and we think we have it all figured out. But then in his elder days, he was able to admit three magical words. You know what the three magical words are? That only a, a person that has been humbled before God and a person that seeks godly wisdom is able to say? No, it's not the words, I love you. It's not the words, I told you so. But the three words that only a person walking in humility and godly wisdom can fully admit are the words, I was wrong. To seek God's wisdom is to be able to seek God in everything and to seek God's truth in all areas of our lives, including the areas where we're vulnerable, including the areas where we don't see it all. Wisdom invites us to grow and to be teachable. That's part of what it means as we've been on this pathway of wisdom. And I shared that story before. For that reason, sometimes circumstances and sometimes the Bible will hold up a mirror to us that is sometimes uncomfortable in order to teach us something new. Because part of wisdom is learning to be teachable. The unwise person thinks they have it all figured out, thinks they have it all together. But the wise person seeks the Lord and doesn't lean on just their own understanding. As it says in Proverbs 19, verse 20, and we may have a slide for it there. Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Proverbs 12, 15 says the exact same thing. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Isn't, doesn't that seem so different, so contradictory? Sometimes as people, we think that the wisest among us just should have all the answers, right? But no, in godly wisdom, the wise listen to advice. So James is saying that the first practical step in living this life of wisdom, the wisdom of God, the first practical step is not to talk, not to act like we know, but it's to listen. As we talked about last week, right? One step that, that we can learn from in these scriptures that will make all the, all, all the impact in our new year of 2024 is, are, are the words that are said in James 1.17, Everyone should be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Because wisdom invites us to grow. Wisdom invites us to be teachable. Wisdom invites us to be able to admit when we don't have it all figured out. To say the three magical words, yes, I love you, but also I was wrong. God is still working on me. God is still working on you. Wisdom invites us to seek, to listen, to listen to advice from godly people. Even if, and to be honest, especially when that wise counsel makes us uncomfortable. Just like we talked about this historical figure, right? 
Martin Luther, he was very uncomfortable with the book of James. He didn't like reading it. He wished it wasn't there because it kind of threw, uh, it disrupted him. It challenged him. You know, it's a lot like my friend um, Daniel, who I knew for several years. He actually worked on a, on a PhD, a doctorate, um, and that usually takes about five years. And when he was in year four, he was doing this in sciences. When he was in year four, the area that he was studying actually became disproven by another scientist. So he had to scrap it all. It was trash. It was worthless. He had to start all over once again. And maybe that's, we, we've been in situations like that. Again, I'm talking about a historical figure here, Luther, right? Some of you are history buffs, some of you are not. That's okay. But we can apply it to ourselves. Luther, he feared, he avoided the book of James because he feared that his life's work would be challenged by James and he would need to start all over again. He feared he was going to lose something or not gain something that he felt he worked toward. And this made him uncomfortable. And you know, sometimes this happens to us. Sometimes fear leads us to pretend that uncomfortable... Sometimes fear leads us to pretend that uncomfortable truths aren't there, although we know they are. But I want you to hear something, friends, brothers, sisters. Just because something is uncomfortable, it does not mean that it is not from God. Just because something feels uncomfortable, it doesn't mean that it is not from God. What's God teaching you in that? Perhaps God is trying to teach us something in the discomfort. Maybe God is doing something holy, something new, something sacred in that holy discomfort. Maybe God's trying to teach you what it means to trust him when you're not in your comfort zone. You know, in church speak, though, we, we change this up, right? And of course, right, even culturally, cultural is all about the comfort. And even in church speak, right, I've heard it so many times, and it's all love, it's all respect with me, but I've heard it many times. People come to me and they say, oh, I feel called toward this. But what they really mean is, I feel more comfortable doing that. <laughs> because one thing I ask them, with love, with respect, oftentimes, when it's that, right, I, 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 it, like I said, it's all love and respect, but when I sense that, because every pastor has something called a pastoral radar and a pastoral sense, right? It's like, hmm, what's the motivation here? Is it calling or is it comfort? But when I sense that, I usually ask people, can you tell me in the Bible where we see God calling people into deeper, um, uh, when, when we see God calling people deeper and he bases that calling on comfort or on convenience? Can you give me an example of that? You know, here it even says that Abraham was a friend of God and Abraham's discomfort actually led to a deeper friendship with God. Wow. It, well, God didn't ask him to do something easy. He asked him to do something so difficult, so uncomfortable, but that discomfort actually led to a deeper friendship with God. What about you? Friend, brother, sister, what is that discomfort that maybe you've been avoiding, that maybe you've been running away from, but God is waiting for you there. God is waiting to meet you there, 
to go deeper in his friendship with you in that discomfort. And I've seen people make decisions on comfort, on convenience before, to be honest. And, I mean, if we're going to confess, I've done it too. I've been there as well. We all have. But we always need to ask ourselves, what are our motivations? Is it comfort? Is it convenience? And I've usually seen that sometimes when I do things, or you or we do things based on only comfort or convenience, it usually uh, doesn't lead us to a deeper friendship with God. It can lead to good results, and we all want good results in this life, right? But the Lord is more interested in developing eternal fruit in your life. Not just good, convenient results, but eternal fruit. God is so much more interested in who you're becoming than in just the comfortable thing to do. Because he loves you. He's committed to you. And I want to thank you for your commitment, for your dedication to this church community. And in this year of 2024, together, we're going to make this call together. It's time for us to step in and step up and go that next level. Together, let's commit to going through the discomfort together to see what God is doing on the other side of that discomfort, to see the new and beautiful thing that God is up to. And so we're going to ask everyone to pray and everyone to step in and step up in the way that God would call you in that, in greeting, in worship, in setup, in teardown, in all those different ways, in these moves that we're going to be experiencing in the next few months. Yes, there are moments when that feels uncomfortable. Can we commit to sticking with God and sticking with one another in that discomfort to see the new and beautiful place that God is taking us to? Amen? And so together, even on the fourth Sunday of each month, we're going to be having what we're calling family meetings. All of you are part of families, and this is a family. And you've been part of uh, families, and sometimes we need to get together for family meetings to understand each other and to dream together of what the new thing God is doing in the month ahead. So we're going to be doing that every fourth Sunday of each month so that everyone's on the same page, so that everyone can have a voice and speak into and pray into the direction that God is taking us together. Because here's the truth about um, God's family and the church, and it's definitely true here at Imago Church. Church, Imago Church, is a place where we are all equally comfortable and we're all just a little uncomfortable, and that's okay. That's part of the way that God calls his people to be. God calls us to be a little uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. God calls us to be a little uncomfortable for the sake of your brother and sister who's maybe not at that place where you're at yet, but they're getting there. We make room, we make space for that. I can be a little uncomfortable for the sake of the person taking their first steps with God or for the person taking their next steps of growth and maturity with God, we can joyfully be willing to be a little uncomfortable for each other. Because God actually does something new and beautiful when we trust him through that holy discomfort. We see here 
that James is talking very directly. And I love that. Um, I, I appreciate that. You know, there are different types of people. There are some that are more um, honest, direct. There are some that are, uh, that are more like beat around the bush and, and respectful. I tend to be a bit more honest and direct. I think James is as well. But we need all of it as a community. We're committed to being honest, direct, and respectful with each other. But he says here, right, in verse 217, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, it's dead. It's worthless. So what's James actually saying here? He's reminding us of something that we all know, but he's just pointing out the obvious. James is reminding us that talk is cheap. That it's not enough. Talk alone is not sufficient. Cheap faith will not cut it. Only real faith is what Jesus calls us to. Because real faith is an action. It's an action of trusting and surrendering and placing all of our life, all of our joy, all of our worries in the hands of the Lord. In a way that actually means something. Not in a way that we just think about on, you know, for an hour a week or whatever it may be, but in a way that is a part of every aspect of who we are. In the book of James, we're actually invited to live by faith, by a faith that works. Because here's really what we see in this amazing uh, book of wisdom in the New Testament, in the book of James. We're called to live by a faith that works. All, all authentic faith is a faith that works. Yeah, we're, yes, absolutely, we're saved by grace and we're invited by God to live a faith that works. Because it really does work when we place our hope, when we place our trust in him. You know, in the scriptures, we see many examples of men and women that God used for his purposes through a faith that works. Not just through talk, not just through good thoughts, not just through good intentions, but through action. You know, there's this, uh, there's this amazing verse in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 11. And many of you know the story of Joshua. Joshua was the one who actually led the people, God's people, into the promised land. Moses started the journey, but Joshua ended the journey. But it's amazing because God never just told Joshua, just snap your fingers and you'll be there. Or, you know, uh, put, you're going to transport there immediately. In Joshua 1.11, we see that Josh pract Joshua practices a faith that works. Because God tells him, chapter, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 11, he says, You go to the land that I will give you. Wow, do you see that? He says, you, Joshua, you must go. You must take action. You must go to the land that I will give you. I already have the outcome. I already have the solution. But you must go there. You must take action. Because faith takes action. We see Ruth in the Old Testament. In chapter 1, verse 16, it says this amazing conversation between uh, Ruth and, and Naomi. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. 
Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Again, example after example after example of God's people in the scriptures. Ruth lived by a faith that works because it really does. Ruth wasn't passive. James is talking to us, to God's people, to those taking their next steps, to those taking their first steps. He's writing this letter to people who sometimes, like you and me, to people who think they have all of the right words, all of the right answers already. But sometimes when we allow in the discomfort for God to disrupt that whole mindset and to teach us something new, we're being invited into a faith that works, into a faith that will take us to that next season, to that next season, to that next level. Because that's what we're being called to. An authentic kind of faith. An authentic kind of faith that leads to transformation. Not just to information. Not just to inspiration, but real transformation. That we would begin to reflect Jesus in our lives, in our words, in our actions, in our character, in our relationships. Not just focused on how things look on the outside, but on the new and eternal thing that God is doing on the inside. And that's something that only the Holy Spirit can bring about. None of us have the power to bring that transformation in our lives Only God can do it in us and through us. And remember, as we've been saying, as we've been reminding each other, that's why we choose to always believe. Because God's not done. He's not done with you. He's not done with us. Real faith takes action. Real faith leads to transformation. It refuses passivity. It actually invites us to go deeper and deeper. What does authentic faith look like for you? How is God calling you to take that next step in a faith that works, that actually works, that takes action, that's not just talk, that's not just intention, but it's going that next level. It's navigating through that discomfort to see the new thing that God is trying to teach you or develop in you and through you. So really, as I think about what authentic faith is and what fake faith is, it really um, reminds me of a story um, several years ago. And I know, you know, today we've talked on all, uh, talked about all types of topics today. We've talked about history of Christianity, even some theology. But we'll end with a story that I believe brings it all together that makes the most sense to me on the difference between real faith and, uh, and, talk, and, and cheap faith, really. But it's actually this story that, uh, that I experienced several years ago. No, not about history, not about theology, but it's a story about those fake Louis Vuitton bags. Does anyone know about those? Who has one? Now, don't raise your hand. But it's those fake Louis Vuitton bags. Some of you know that several years ago, I actually used to live in another part of the country. I lived in New Jersey, which was just 45-minute drive from New York City. And so we had all kinds of friends um, visiting us uh, during the years. And of course, when they were there, they wanted us to go out to the city and explore New York a little bit. 
And um, one of Charlotte's uh, friends once uh, came to visit us. Her name was Sheila. She lived up in, uh, in Massachusetts, and um, she just wanted to come and hang out and explore somewhere new. And one of my passions, if any of you ever want to, but one of my passions is actually being a tour guide. I love showing people around. It's like, really excites me in a very unique kind of way. It energizes me. And it's uh, one of my favorite hobbies. And I'm just going to tell you right now, that's my retirement plan. After pastoring, I'm going to start a touring company and uh, we'll see and really just uh, explore new places and take people to, to places they've always dreamed of exploring. That's my plan as a senior citizen. You laugh, but you'll see. God's going to bring it together. <laughs> but anyway, Charlotte's friend Sheila comes and, and she visits us. And, if, and me as the tour guide, I have everything planned out. Everything we're going to do the first day, the second day, all of that. We're going to go to the Empire State building, building. And then we're going to go to Times Square and, you know, uh, learn the history and, and talk and all that. And as I'm giving the plan, you know, I love all these slides and plans. Uh, Charlotte's friend, Sheila, actually just interrupts me and says, Actually, Carlos, um, I have another idea. <laughs> I'm like, really? What's that? <laughs> I've heard that Chinatown in New York City has every high-end brand that you can think of. And she says, I've always wanted a Louis Vuitton handbag. And, uh, and, and then I said, but you know, Chinatown, it, it just that part only has the cheap knockoff brand in Chinatown. That's what it's known for. And she said, yeah, exactly. I'm like, wait a minute. So let me get this straight. You want us to go all the way over there so that you get a bag that's not even real? That's not even fully authentic? Yeah, absolutely. We went back and forth there a bit, but I just finally gave in. And we went. And we finally got there. We arrived and they found the affordable Louis Vuitton bags, which were really white. The fake fake Louis Vuitton bags, the non-authentic ones. And I let, you know, Charlotte's friend, Sheila, do her thing um, because I, I, you know, I, I just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible, to be honest. Like, I wasn't even sure, is this thing legal? There's no way I'm going to get busted for some fake bag, really. It's not worth it. There's more to life. And I was actually kind of nervous, so I wanted to get out of there. And I was like, what in the world am I doing here? Like, this has nothing to do with, with me, you know, and my life and, and what I'm trying to do in this life, right? I just wanted to be a tour guide. And I ended up getting these knockoff bags. I don't want to commit a crime. I don't want to get busted because of that. But eventually Sheila uh, came back and she found it. And, you know, we were able to move on and do the real things, the funny, the fun things we were meant to do on that day. And we enjoyed the rest of the day. And, you know, that was interesting because I never even knew that that was a whole market and that was a whole thing until I went home and I started reading about it a little bit. And I read in an article on how to tell the difference between the real bag and the fake bag. And it said this, and I found this very interesting, and I even apply it here to our journey of faith. It said the biggest difference between an authentic bag and a fake bag is actually what is inside the bag, not what is outside. It's the stitching which is what made the bag authentic. 
and handbags aside, remember what is Scripture calling us here to? An authentic faith that works. What makes for authenticity is what is in the inside. Not on how things look or appear on the outside. And when it comes to faith, Scripture here is reminding us. Do not settle for the cheap knockoff. Do not settle for the pretend brand, for a cheap faith that looks good on the outside, but is completely fake on the inside. It's not worth it. Don't settle for a church or for a faith that looks good on the outside, but is fake and empty on the inside. Don't settle for that kind of journey with God because friend, brother, sister, you are made for more. So much more. So much closeness, so much intimacy, so much potential, so much growth with God. And God invites you into the real thing, into real faith. Because you and I are saved by God, saved by grace, and we're invited to live out our faith, to live a faith that really works. Because here's the truth, and some of you know this even better than me because you've experienced it firsthand this year and in the last couple of years. Here's the truth. In this life, at the end of the day, after it's all said and done, faith is the only thing that really does work. Everything else comes and goes, but faith remains. But the faith that we hold on to And the faith that we trust is actually the only thing that goes with us from this life into the next. Nothing else does. Faith does. Only faith. So as we grow in faith, God will call us to more faith, never less. I know sometimes some of you can be thinking, well, I've been on this journey for so long. When can I actually trust God less? I'm sorry, it doesn't go that way. Every next step will be a call to trust God more, to increase in faith. More trust, more dependence, more hope, more grace, more mercy. That's what it means to live by a faith that works. So family of God, may we believe and live by a faith that works because it really does. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are our peace. You are our joy. And right now, Lord, we ask that you uh, forgive us, God, wherever we've wanted to just go our own direction, where we've settled for less, where we've settled for the cheap stuff. And today, Lord, we want to be able to make that turn, to make that shift, to make that change, and really live by an authentic faith that works. It's not just talk. It's not just thoughts. It's not just intentions. It's life with you. It's trust in you. It's dependence in you in every way. So God, we just uh, pray, God, that you would meet us where we're at. And today, Lord, Lord, some of us are taking 
that first step with you. And if that's you, I just want you to be able to pray and be in that um, space. And you can say, God, I trust you more than I trust myself, more than I trust in anything or anyone. I want to follow you today, Lord, and live in you. Guide me today. I want to take those steps. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for being my Savior. Lead me, Lord. For some of us that maybe have known God and have are wanting to take that next step or need to take that next step from just something that's a knockoff to something that's new and authentic. You can pray and you can say, God, I need you. I need you to forgive me and to extend your grace to me. I need you to heal me in those areas that I need healing and make my heart alive, God. Today, God, I give up on trusting in myself and I put my life in your 